Welcome to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm Melissa Friedenberg, financial advisor with Pearl Planning. Pearl Planning is a financial planning and investment management company located in Dexter and Gross Point, Michigan. We work with clients all around the country. The purpose of our podcast is to explore specific financial topics and provide advice you can use in your everyday life. Welcome back to the 52 Pearls Weekly Money Wisdom Podcast. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I am so pleased to be joined by Danica Waddell. Danica is the founder of Xena Financial Planning, and they are located in Seattle, Washington. Danica specializes in working with women in technology, and she has clients all over the country. She regularly assists her clients in navigating initial public offerings and also managing equity compensation. Danica, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Melissa. I'm happy to be here. Well, I'm so glad to have you. And we recently did a just a networking conversation since we were acquaintances and we're talking about each of our practices and a shared kind of theme was how much information, well, how much we're working with people um, right now who are going through initial public offerings and IPOs. Um, as employees or founders of companies, but today we're mainly focusing on being an employee of a private company that goes public and just all of the needs that those um, those people have. And it's very complex, but also very rewarding work. Um, and Anika, I thought you'd be a great conversation partner to talk about you know, all the issues that are involved when a company goes public. Yeah, there's a lot going on when that happens. So there's tax considerations and emotional considerations and just all sorts of, yeah, it's, it's definitely a complex situation to navigate. So it really helps to have somebody that has expertise in the, in the area. I thought we should just start by comparing the difference between a public and a private company. Cause we have listeners, um, all types of listeners. Some maybe have a corporate background and others, um, work for private companies. So how would you distinguish the two? Yeah, I mean, I think the easiest way to understand what those differences are is a a public company is one that you can go out and buy stock in. So you can go and buy a share of Coca-Cola or Microsoft. Um, A private company is owned by by individuals or, you know, by investors, but it's not something that you have the ability to purchase. Totally. And, um, you know, I always start with the assumption that we know that, but you, you can never be sure it's not something necessarily when you go into a job interview, not everybody goes over the corporate structure or the way, you know, mm-hmm. who owns the company. Um, and that's one of the things that's important to know in this discussion, at least, although oftentimes there's kind of um, some conversation or buzz at the office, um, you know, either the virtual or actual um, coffee room mm-hmm. um, when, when a company starts to consider going public. So um, going public means that a private company that you just described, Danica, um, is going to issue shares of stocks and be publicly available. Um, Why might a company choose to do that? Um, There are probably a few reasons, but I think the most notable one is they're often trying to raise money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So there's a big um, financial consideration for that. Um, yeah, I think that's probably one of the biggest 
um, reasons why a company might go public. Um, and I think just in the startup world, that's sort of an expectation of, you know, success is, you know, you start out and you're funded privately and you have investors and that at a certain point you go public and you're able to pay back those initial investors. And, you know, that's just considered a more mature company as one that's, that's gone through that process. Yeah, I automatically thought, oh, they're trying to capitalize on their growth, but <laughs> actually capital is part of the word. They're looking for capital. They're right. going to be re- be receiving money from public markets um, for, you know, the work that they do, um, which can be very attractive to those who own some of that private stock or, a, you know, percentage of the company. So when there's an IPO, um, it's often not just the people that started the company that are involved um, or who could have kind of a, um, we could call it a wealth event or a liquidity Mm -hmm. event where there's a change in in terms of the balance sheet. Um, Sometimes that's employees as well, right? Yeah. And oftentimes employees see a very significant change to their situation when a company goes public. So um, there's lots of different types of equity compensation. There's different types of stock options and there's restricted stock. Um, But when a company goes public, you know, up until that point, if you're an employee and you have stock options or you have restricted stock, it doesn't really have a whole lot of value because you can't turn around and sell it. But once the company goes public, now you have the ability to just go out and sell your shares. So it can be um, a very significant event for an employee, depending on how many you know, of those options or how many of those shares that you actually have. Yeah, it can be a huge deal and it could mean nothing too. It just depends on what you own. And you just described that there, there are a variety of types of ownership you could have. You could have incentivized stock options, non-qualified stock options. You could have restricted stock units. Um, and so there, there's a variety of alphabet soups of, yeah. of what you may own. And then you may some of it may be the right to own something at a certain price. And the company could go public below or above that price. So it may or may not mean that you were able to um, kind of change your financial circumstances based on what happens with the IPO. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, the difference between like a stock option and actually having stock, a stock option is the right to purchase stock at a certain price. So you don't actually own the stock yet, but you have the right to buy it at a certain price. And oftentimes it is worth nothing. Um, But if you have the right to buy a stock at $5 a share and they go public at $100 a share, that's now really valuable, right? Because you can buy it for $5 around and sell it for a hundred, you know, so it can be very significant. Very often though, it's, it is worth nothing. Um, But with actual restricted stock units or restricted stock, Um, That's a little bit different because you don't, you're not purchasing anything. So that is when the company just grants you um, shares in their stock, but you still aren't really able to do anything with that until the company goes public. So there's just, it really is um, helpful to have somebody, you know, that can help you go through the process because, you know, the tax implications of all these different types of stock options and restricted stock, they're all different. And so if you don't have a really good understanding of what 
each of the types are and how exercising or selling them is going to impact you from a tax perspective. It gets, it gets very, very complicated. (laughs) It's very complicated and there's not one standard set of rules. So every company kind of has a template that they can, they can draft in their own way. So um, you have to keep track of a lot. There's, there's often something called a vesting schedule, which is a decision about when you have the rights to do something with the stock that you're being issued. A lot of times this is tied up with, with incentivizing you to stick around as an employee. So it's it's something where um, it's not just like, hey, here's your um, here's a big pile of money on day one. I recently was talking to a client and the family had received a job offer um, for one of the spouses and he was receiving stock options um, with the job offer. And this was, they hadn't had stock options in the past. So they were saying, well, I don't know if we can, we're going to be able to invest in this company right now um, and come up up with the money to buy, you know, the, this, but then I explained, no, this is an option. And um, it was an early stage company. So they um, weren't not, we're not as close to an initial public offering. So it was kind of like, just keep that in your back pocket and we'll see what happens. But other times people get job offers or are working in a company that's getting much closer to potentially an IPO date. And then, you know, maybe you can find some more information about, is this going to be a lucrative event? Will, are we talking real money? And sometimes it can be very significant. Yeah, absolutely. There's so many different things to consider when you're, you know, faced with a job offer like you just described, or once you are at a company and you're, you know, you might start out with one type of option and then they might introduce a different type. Um, So there's just a lot of different, I guess, phases. um, Mm -hmm. The different considerations are at a very early stage company versus a company that's getting ready to go public. And, you know, one of the the conversations that I always have with my clients is about um, just sort of navigating the emotional impacts of going through an event like this, because, you know, very early stage, probably not super emotional, but the closer and closer you get to an IPO, it becomes, it can be kind of all consuming. (laughs) When you're at companies, you know, there's just a lot of energy, people get really excited. Um, and it's hard to stay focused on, you know, what your own objectives are and your own plan without getting caught up in the, the swirl of the IPO. Oh my gosh, you're so right. And I think that that, that is one of the biggest misses for so many financial planners. Um, you can find a lot of people that are ready to crunch the numbers for you. You can find a lot of people that are ready to um, for you to write them a check to invest the proceeds. But if you work with someone like, you, Danica, or I, I would consider us at Pearl Planning to um, those that really will honor the emotional journey that you need to go through. And when we think about some considerations there, you you do not want to make decisions too quickly. Don't spend that money before it's in your hand. And in fact, slow down. There are some things that you probably need to be doing. Do not go and um, spend like you're a lottery winner. And with your peers thinking through the same things and what they would be doing and, and your coworkers, it it can be really challenging. Yeah. Some of my advice to people um, that I'm working with when they're getting ready for an event like this is things that sound really kind of silly to hear from a financial planner, but I'll tell people like, make sure you drink lots of water on IPO day, make sure you turn off your company Slack channel so that you're not listening to, you know, if there's a Slack channel or something like that, Mm -hmm. uh, internal dialogue about, 
um, about the IPO, like turn it off, turn off the notifications on your phone. Don't look at the stock price every five minutes. Um, so things like that. I also think um, taking time completely away from people that you work with, people that even know about the IPO, like go out to dinner with friends who have no idea what this even is, um, but make sure that you have some time carved out to really just sort of disconnect from the process. Um, and then, you know, kind of going forward, like once the company has gone public, it can be very easy again to kind of be checking stock prices all the time. And I say like, give yourself one or two times a day when you will allow yourself to check the stock price or talk to a work, you know, colleague about what's happening with the stock price or whatever, a couple times a day, five minutes, and then the rest of the time you got to turn it off because it's just so easy to, um, yeah, just to, to get really consumed by um, focusing on on what's happening once once the actual IPO happens. It, yeah, there's there's some other considerations. There's perhaps a lack of privacy because it's easy to find out where people work. And so if it is one of those companies that went public and really had a terrific IPO, a lot of people know what might be going on with you. Um, and then also if you did, you know, kind of... Um, the IPO knocked it out of the park. You had that $5, you know, right to buy and the $100 stock price today. There's going to be a brief moment in time where you feel that win of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we went from, you know, very little to some real money. And then almost automatically your price, the price of the stock that it trades from day to day either feels like a huge loss or a little bit of a gain. So up 10%, it's like, okay, well, I already made, you know, 95 bucks. I'm looking for, you know, more and uh, down 10%, it's like, oh my gosh, why didn't we sell yesterday? So there's a lot of volatility with companies that mm. just IPO'd. And, um, you know, you don't want to put yourself on that emotional roller coaster hour to hour, minute to minute with the stock market. Yeah, 100%. It's just, um, it can be super volatile, as you said, in the early days. Um, and sometimes it continues for a long time, but mm -hmm. especially those first few months are very volatile. And so I really try and get people to just sort of set an expectation, um, make a plan, and then just kind of stick with it and just not worry if, yeah, if the price is up $5 or down $10 and not get too consumed with like, oh, if I'd only sold on this day versus that day, you know, it's never going to be perfect, um, but it's all, hopefully it's all upside sort of a, a windfall either way. The way th things are structured, if you had stock prior to the company going public, it's very rare that you would sell everything in one day. So you have some restrictions typically about the days that you're allowed to sell things. And then also that vesting schedule that we talked about. And you may, um, in all likelihood, um, for many companies, they're also beginning to issue different types of stock programs after the IPO. And so um, having that game plan, just like you described, talking about the game plan in advance and then making, uh, mapping it out so that you can execute on it during your open trading windows, that can really alleviate the emotions and the anxiety and the need to check in every minute of every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have an event like this, you know, already you have your salary and your benefits and a lot of things tied to a particular company. But when you go through an IPO, now you might also have, you know, 10, 20, maybe even 50% of your net worth is now tied up in this company. And so, you know, definitely being strategic about making sure that you're 
kind of diversifying out of that, um, you know, sort of consistently too. Like, like as you said, you're not going to sell 100% of it on one day, but if you sell, you know, a percentage every three months or something like that, so that you're gradually divesting yourself. So who do you usually suggest that your um, clients work with when they are sitting in this position? Obviously, we both are um, pretty sure that financial planners should be included in the conversation. Yeah. We might be biased. We might be a little biased. <laughs> um, definitely a financial planner and a CPA, a really good yeah. CPA who knows who knows how this stuff works because most CPAs don't really work with this type of compensation on a regular basis. And, you know, as we both mentioned, there's multiple different types of equity compensation and they all have different tax rules. Um, and even after working with, with this type of stuff for years, I mean, I, I often have to check the exact rules on this type of option with this type of you know, purchase. And then the sale date was this many months later and, you know, it's, it gets very tricky. So um, I think having a really good CPA, not just when it's time to prepare your tax returns, there's some additional tax planning where if you have a really great CPA financial planner team, um, you're going to, first of all, you're going to get comfortable paying taxes because the, this is an unavoidable event with a successful IPO. And also, though, you can plan and there may be some tax advantages to different strategies. Mm -hmm. There definitely are tax advantages to different strategies. And also, if your company goes public at a certain time of year, you know, let's say they go public in November or December and you have a huge tax liability and your taxes might be due in April and you still can't sell the stock because you're in a lockup period for six months. So I think um, being really clear about what that looks like in advance so that you don't get this huge tax bill in April and suddenly go, oh my gosh, like how, how can I even pay this right now? So it definitely helps having somebody, not only a CPA who, you know, who understands this, but can also help with projections a little bit. You know, it's not just retroactive, like looking back and saying, oh yeah, you, you owe a hundred thousand dollars. But if, if you know that in advance, like plan helping to plan for where that cash is going to come from. Absolutely. And I want the person who has all the numbers plugged in to this tax software to give us options. Cause we're often looking and saying, okay, what happens if we do this versus that? In some cases, alternative minimum tax, which um, nobody wants to learn about unless they have to, but that mm -hmm. can be coming into play. The state that you live in matters. And so it's going to be worth the cost of investing in the time and relationship with a couple of professionals as you tackle all the good things and the opportunities um, come with some obligations to get some things done. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I'm always looking for, for tax people that are just really skilled in this area because there's not that many out there. There's a few. Yeah, that's um, true. Yeah. Financial planner and a CPA are definitely the, the main, the main people. We just said there's so many emotions too. So um, work with, if both of those, at least one of them can really think about your um, emotional, psychological journey through mm -hmm. this sudden money event. Um, and, you, you know, you might need to um, be talking to a therapist as well um, and certainly review your state plan at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. It, it could change things pretty dramatically very, very quickly. So keeping an eye on all those different components is. Yeah. It's a lot. We can help to make the to-do list and the implementation list less burdensome, um, both with coordination, for, for example, with another professional 
or prioritization so that we say, hey, this is what we need to do in the next month. And then we will call you when the next window opens or something like that. I had a a couple of clients that just went through an IPO last week. And one of the things that was happening as we were getting closer was there were all these really small logistical things. And like one of them was um, having to set up like an ACH transfer so that when, you know, any kind of proceeds happen, like where does the money get transferred to? And there were just all these really small decisions, but, you know, as we were getting closer and closer, it was very clear to, to me that my clients were kind of having a hard time sorting through it all. Like, you know, which of these is a big decision and which of these is a small decision, you know? So I'm getting these emails, should I do ACH or wire transfer? And I was like, well, that's not a huge, I mean, if I had to choose, I'd pick the ACH, but it's not really the end of the world. Whereas right. some of these decisions about like when to sell and how much to sell and, and how to do that, how to structure the order, um, that's a much bigger decision, but they're all these just little logistical things. And so having somebody that you can rely on to say like, do I need to worry about this? Or is it just, you know, very much just kind of like a procedural hurdle that I have to jump through. Yeah. I love that. Um, there are any other like kind of tasks or to do's that you say, do this, um, as you're kind of leading up to the days of the IPOs. Not really. I think that earlier you can get started with a planner. I mean, I, um, and there's not a whole lot of other fires to put out. And then you can be really strategic about what the plan is for the IPO. So I think the biggest thing is really just starting as early as possible and being as organized and on top of it as you can be. So many little things can just sort of throw you off track. You hear an IPO is coming. You never know if it's actually going to happen until the day, you know, the day the um, opening bell happens, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but there are even um, for incentivized stock options, some advantages to exercising pre-IPO in some cases. Now there's not full clarity or visibility there, um, but yeah, exactly. The earlier, the better. And financial planning isn't just about those options. Hopefully if you're doing financial planning in the right way, it's about how the money fits into your life instead of the other way, instead of how your life fits into the money so, um, you know, earlier, the better in, in all cases, um, if you're working with a good financial planner. Absolutely. Well, Danica, how can people find you to follow up? Um, I am at xenafinancialplanning.com or xenafp.com. And my Twitter is Danica W. I'm on Twitter a lot, LinkedIn, Danica Waddell. So I'm online in lots of places. It's easy to find me. Well, if you are listening and going through that IPO experience, I hope that it has been helpful for us to talk about some of the nuts and bolts, but also the emotions of a wealth event, like an initial public offering. Thanks so much for listening. And Danica, thanks for joining us. Have a great day. Thanks, Melissa. You can access our first two seasons of this podcast on our website at www.pearlplan.com or on Spotify. If you're interested in learning more about Pearl Planning, feel free to sign up for our newsletter, also found on our website.